I don't care, you choose. I guarantee you've said those words before at some point in your life, right? I know I have. Either you said those words out of frustration that you and the person that you're with just can't agree and you've given in and just choose something, right? Or maybe you've said those words because you really were indifferent about the choice to begin with. It didn't matter to you. Or maybe you said those words because you had just made 99 other decisions and you didn't care to make a single other one. I mean, decision fatigue is real, you know. Uh, well, last Sunday, I was uh, passing out kaleidoscopes in the children, uh, to the children here at Peachtree in our worship experience. We meet in the chapel at 11.30 each Sunday. And I passed out these kaleidoscopes because it was a sermon illustration I was giving. And each of the kaleidoscopes had a different design on it. And so I allowed the children to choose which one they wanted, which is always kind of a dangerous thing to do because I didn't want any fussing over, uh, you know, if they, the one they wanted had already gotten taken. Um, but most of the kids, I was really proud of them. They received the one that they got real happy and joyful. And even one child said to me, I don't care which one I get. It doesn't matter to me. And that really surprised me. But most of the time, we like having choices. We enjoy our freedom to choose what we will eat, what we will wear, where we will live, how we will spend our time, how we will spend our money. We don't like having our choices taken away from us. And did you know, I, I did a little research and, and found on the internet, because you can find lots of things on the internet, right? Uh, but various internet sources concluded that on average, we make 35,000 choices a day. 35,000 choices a day. I don't know, I don't think I make that many choices because I'm pretty indecisive, so I just don't decide. <laughs> but, and I'm not sure if that statistic uh, is specifically for Americans or if it's for the general population of the world. I, I really couldn't find that out. So, because I do know that here in the U.S., we have more choices than people living in most other countries. A dear friend of mine is associated with a nonprofit that operates in northern Kenya. The area is drought-ridden. It has very few crops, very little livestock. It's a challenge to find food to, to feed the children living in the orphanages in that community. And so some years ago, the organization asked the pastor of this village to come and to share about his ministry and to share about the desperate need in this area of Kenya. While in the States, they took him to a grocery store and he walked up and down the aisles and he was amazed. He walked specifically down the cereal aisle. He was overwhelmed by the choices on the shelves. It was so foreign to him. And he said, why do you need so many choices? So many choices. Well, here in our scripture text in Deuteronomy, Moses presents the Israelites with one solemn choice, two possibilities, A or B. Simply, they were to choose life or they were to choose death. Now, life is coupled with prosperity and death with adversity, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But you see, the people 
we're on, we're standing on the shores of the Jordan River when Moses is speaking to them this time. The promised land is within reach. The wilderness is behind them. The wandering around with no permanent home is history. It's like being in line for the roller coaster, being next in line for the roller coaster at Six Flags. You've waited so long. Some of those lines are really, really long. Or it's like you've waited so long and your wedding is tomorrow. So exciting. Or the doctor says, it's time. Come to the hospital. The baby is on its way. That is how imminent the message that Moses is giving to these people is. Now, today, today is the time to choose. How will you live in the land of opportunity? The word today appears four times in verses 15 through 19. That's giving the text the the urgent quality, the feeling of immediacy. Indeed, this day is always the day to decide for the Lord, the day to choose life, the day to begin anew. This decision can't wait until tomorrow. And Moses knows that full well. For for him, tomorrow may not come. You see, Moses is at the end of his leadership of the Israelite people. He's near the end of his life. He is 120 years old, and as God has promised him, he will not live long enough to pitch a tent in the good land. The text we focus on this morning is from a much longer sermon. In fact, all of Deuteronomy is pretty much a sermon that Moses is preaching, or multiple sermons that Moses is preaching to the people. He wants to leave nothing unsaid. This is Moses' last lecture, if you will. And he is using this covenant language to communicate to them that they ought to be faithful to the Lord their God. You know, at first glance, choosing life or death might seem to refer to a single event, a one-time decision, choose now, and that's it. But the verses that follow suggest that Moses is talking about a choice that the people are making over the course of their entire life. Both the words, uh, life is paired with prosperity and death is paired with adversity, are describing terms of a pathway. You will live in this path of prosperity or live in this path of adversity. They can, as they continue on their journey into the land, into the promised land, they are to walk in the ways of the Lord. Now, if you read earlier in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the people the story of their past. He recalls for them their history of unfaithfulness and God's faithfulness to them. There was a time, you know, when the people did not serve the Lord. You remember the golden calf. They turned away from the one true God and made for themselves an idol to worship. They grumbled and complained against God as they wandered in the desert. But God blessed them despite their waywardness. He provided food for them. He led them and he protected them and he makes a covenant with them. God chose them. They were chosen by God to enter into this promised land, to be his people. They were chosen. This passage then that Moses is preaching summarizes that covenant. 
it's a true, and in, in, in true ancient covenant style, we notice the if-then language. If the people choose God, then God will bless them. If the people choose to turn away, then they will not be blessed. It's a simple consequence. And this covenant is with the community. It's not with each individual, it's with the corporate community. They are to choose life, according to verse 19, so that you and your descendants may live. So not only is it a community, but it's for future generations to come. It's for those that come after them. Now, I've worked with children and teenagers for nearly 25 years, and so I am no longer shocked or surprised at the choices that they make and their lack of understanding that their choices affect more than just themselves. And if you have children and teenagers, you know. If you were a teenager, you know that as well. Um, but they have a valid excuse. In some of my research, I, I learned that the brain studies show that the frontal lobe, which is responsible for decision-making and impulse control, sensation-seeking, emotional responses, and consequential thinking, it doesn't finish developing until we are in our early to mid-20s. So good news for all of us that our poor choices that we made in our early years, we have an excuse. But there are plenty of adults, you and I know, who make bad decisions without thought or without care of how it's going to affect the lives of others. But here we know that choosing God and his ways will most certainly impact the whole neighborhood. At least it ought to affect the whole neighborhood. So many of us believe that religion is individualistic and personal, and we're gonna keep it to ourselves. But Christianity is communal. It should affect those around us. It should affect all that the believer touches. For when we choose to obey God, and obey his commands. We care for the widow. We look after the orphan. We reach out to the homeless and we welcome the refugee. We reach out and we welcome those that are marginalized and impoverished for this is the command of God. When we love the Lord, we love our neighbor. We make decisions that don't just benefit us, but they benefit the entire community. And occasionally, this comes at great cost to ourselves. During World War II, throughout France, the Nazis were rounding up Jews and sending them to death camps. Citizens of a village in France, uh, La Chambon sur le Grand, led by the local Protestant minister, Pastor André Trocmet, risked their lives, this small village community came together and they hid Jews, particularly children, in the homes and on their farms and in the hillsides and the countryside. And the situation took a turn for the worse when the Germans invaded the South Zone in 1942. But yet the local people of La Chambon continued to protect Jews in open defiance of those that were in authority. When asked by the authorities to produce a list of Jews in the town, Trocame refused and said, we do not know what a Jew is, we only know men. In addition to providing shelter, the citizens of this small town obtained 
forged identification and ration cards for the Jews, and they helped them cross the border into safety of neutral Switzerland. Now, some of the residents were arrested by the Gestapo. Even Reverend Truckemay's cousin, Daniel, was sent to a concentration camp where he later died. It is an esti it's estimated that the people of the area of La Chambon saved between 3,000 and 5,000 Jews from certain death. La Chambon was truly a city of refuge. The people had chosen life, not just for themselves, not just to protect their own lives, but they had risked their lives for the life of others, for their neighbors, for strangers, for children. So what would it look like for us, for Peachtree Christian Church, to choose life for others? What sacrifices would we need to make? What rights would we need to lay aside? What is God calling us to do? There's many ways that we care for those in our community. One way God has called us to choose life for our neighborhood is in our new respite care ministry that will open soon. What better way to choose life than to provide care for those struggling, often at the end of their own life, with dementia and cognitive decline? We offer support for their caregivers. This is a beautiful opportunity to choose life, not just for ourselves, but for our neighborhood. Moses presents then this choice to the Israelites, and I believe that they had every intention of choosing life, keeping the commandments and the statutes of God. And as we read the rest of their history, we notice that sometimes they do choose life, and they do choose compassion, and therefore blessings and prosperity follow them. But other times, they choose their own self-interest, and death and destruction is a result. This choice then is not simply a one-time event, as I said earlier. God's mercy allows for them to choose and to choose again and to choose again. So like many of us, some days they tried really, really hard and they did love their neighbor. But then days were really hard and their selfishness takes over and they fail to obey God's rule of love. You and I are not much different. No matter how hard we try, we cannot love God perfectly. We cannot love our neighbor perfectly. We have a difficult time choosing life, life for ourselves and life for others. But the good news, the good news of the gospel is that God is gracious towards us. He has not left us alone. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. God's good gift of Christ is perfect. And so even when we choose to act in unjust ways, God still chooses life. He chooses life in Jesus Christ. In Christ, there is always room for that choice of life. There is grace in the cross, grace in the empty tomb, Grace by the power of the resurrected Savior. So if today you are weary of trying, trying to choose life on your own, come to Jesus. 
Choose Jesus and you choose life for yourself. Choose Jesus and walk in his ways and his ways will lead us to actions that give life to our community, to give life to our neighborhood. So choose life and choose Jesus. May together we help one another choose life. Amen.